Welcome to Live to Grind. My name is Brennan C. Adams, serial entrepreneur, inventor, TV creator, and speaker, passionate about helping others create something great and become unforgettable. Join me each week to discuss practical ways to help you increase your income and impact as an influencer in your industry. My goal is to help you take your business and lifestyle to the next level. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the Live to Grind podcast show. On today's show, we have James Whitaker, who is the author of Think and Rich Legacy and is also a part of the movie Think and Rich Legacy. James has been on the show before. He's a good friend of mine. He's literally a brother from another mother, well, from Australia. But I had the privilege. James was actually, he came to our mastermind we did back in Iowa, our famous Iowa mastermind. And I sat down with him and interviewed him just on basically the process of writing the book, Think and Grow It's a Legacy, some of the things he learned from the different interviews, and then I opened it up for the people in the mastermind to ask questions. So I wanted to share this clip with you. It's it's some great content, some stuff that I know you'd really get a lot out of, and just kind of hear from the author how he wrote the book, the process of interviewing the top entrepreneurs of our time, from Grant Cardone to Bob Proctor to Darren Hardy, Rob Dyrdek, and, and many other influential people, Barbara Corkin, and, and others. So I think you'll get a lot out of this episode from me interviewing him. I actually sat down at Airbnb. We filmed this, and uh, I asked him some questions I was dying to hear. So let's jump right into it with James Let's get started. Brendan C. Adams here. We are sitting here with the author of Thinking Rich Legacy, James Whitaker. How's it going, James? Thanks for having me on. How are you? I'm, I'm doing amazing. Better that I'm with you now, right now. Going to ask you questions about the book and everything you've done with the movie. I want to jump right into what was your thought process when you knew that you had the opportunity to basically write the book, Think and Grow Rich Legacy, and interview successful entrepreneurs of our time. Talk about the thought process and what it was like from going from, okay, I have this opportunity, to actually executing the first steps. I was so excited about it. And first of all, I wanted to make sure I didn't overthink it because it's such a big responsibility. Like if someone said, rewrite the Bible, you couldn't do yeah. it. So I didn't, want to, I didn't want to create a substitute for Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich, which is the best-selling self-help book of all time and has created more millionaires than any other resource in history. I wanted to create a modern companion, something that today's generations can get excited about, featuring people like Barbara Corcoran, Rob Deerdeck, Bob Proctor, Lewis Howes, Grant Cardone. Because in the original Think and Grow Rich, which was released in 1937, Napoleon Hill interviewed people like Thomas Edison, Andrew Carnegie, and Henry Ford, who today's generations just don't identify with as much. So using the stories of these contemporary icons and then providing a refresh of each success principle in a modern context, that was how we were able to create this book that came out with the, uh, with the film. So what was the process like for you interviewing these people to get the best story out? Because obviously somebody doesn't want their story told the wrong way. How did you tell the best story that people could really understand and, and get inspired by? Well, I wanted to make sure, first of all, that they, that they trusted me and believed in me enough to really reveal their vulnerabilities enough that I could craft a story. And they all did that. They were all very uh, willing to let me tell the story in, in my own way because I wanted to find out not who these people are now, not from the point of being a success, how they created more success. I wanted to find out who they were when they were born, what limiting beliefs 
did they have before they drew a line in the sand or they had some enormous hurdle or massive life impact. For example, we had Janine Shepard who was hit by a truck, Jim Stovall who was told that he was going to go permanently blind. Everyone in this book had something, a very significant hurdle or a very defining moment in their life. So I wanted to learn more about that moment and then find out what ultimately catapulted them to enormous success. So using those stories, I was able to break down, but I also wanted to provide a lot of practical, a lot of actionable tips. So anyone reading it could create a blueprint to start to achieve success in their own lives. So most people, they think of writing a book and specifically you look at the this book. There's so much pressure on you. What was the process like to just knocking out each chapter and each person telling their story? Just go through the details of writing the chapters. First of all, I tried to do as much information and gather as much research as I could. And I ended up with more than half a million words of, of notes for research wow. for this. So a lot of research was done. Then I would interview these people sometimes... Many of them were face-to-face and, and involved a number of discussions. Other people, it was only a single discussion. So I would actually use those stories and I would record everything and I would actually transcribe it myself, which is something that a lot of other people might have outsourced. But as I was transcribing it and listening to their stories again, playing over and over, that is where it was easy for me to start to shape their story and mold it as I could really see and map out each of these different stages really important and significant moments that shaped who they ultimately went on to become. And a lot of those times it feels like in the moment it's their biggest adversity or the most tragic of circumstances. It is only when they are able to find a practical way to convert that to plans and take daily action can they start to uh, go on to extraordinary achievements. So I would do one person and then uh, I would leave it for a week. I would create a first draft, leave it for a week And then I would revisit it after that. And I also had an editor friend in Australia who helped me shape the stories. And after one week, you can look at it with fresh eyes, maybe restructure it a little bit, maybe remove some things, add some more things. And once I had 25 stories written, which were true, comprehensive, short stories that people can use to provide a blueprint so everyone, regardless of what field you're in, because we've got people from so many different countries, from different ages, like, how old are you, 27, 28? 28 now, yeah. Right through to Bob Proctor, who's in his 80s. So we've got people of all backgrounds. And then the very last thing I did was explore each of the 13 principles from Napoleon Hill's achievement philosophy and refresh them in a modern context. So referencing people like Elon Musk, Tom Brady, the Navy SEALs, Sarah Blakely, Oprah Winfrey, Mark Zuckerberg, a whole heap of influential contemporary icons. So it's a very eclectic mix of, uh, of people and I think everyone would enjoy it. So out of all the people you interviewed, what was the number one thing that stood out from these people that made them successful? One of the biggest things is the unwavering self-belief. So when they had that very tragic moment or there was a point in their life where other people said they couldn't do something, Or, for example, with someone like Barbara Corcoran, where she was labeled as dyslexic in school, they simply channeled their attention and their action and their resources into a way that they could actually make it happen. So they didn't stop there based on this limited programming that someone else had of their version of success. They simply blew right past it and took daily action to achieve it. And another really important point is the ninth principle of Think and Grow Rich, which is the power of the mastermind, is you and I have both seen in in our lives. It's been a huge influence for both of us. They were able to 
Once they had a, a very clear definition of what success looked like for them, they were able to create a mastermind group, surround themselves with the right people who could amplify their efforts, elevate their thinking, and get them yeah. to taking daily action where they could achieve enormous success much bigger and much faster than they could have done if they stayed in their house or their apartment. So we're actually sitting in a mastermind here in Iowa and as we're sitting here we have some people that are actually watching and we're going to have them ask questions to James. I'm going to ask you one more question. I'm going to open up to them. My question to you is what would be the biggest realization or aha moment as you what took a year, year and a half to develop this book from beginning to end? So what was the biggest realization for you that helped you to just move forward in your life in a certain endeavor or whatever it is? There are so many, but I think the biggest thing is getting outside of your comfort zone. It sounds so simple to say, but when you're really in the world of modern comfort and instant gratification, we it's almost become human nature for us to stay in our comfort zone and sit on the couch watching TV or scrolling through social media. And none of those things help us with our long-term growth. So thinking 10 times or 100 times more than you can accomplish and then getting off the couch, getting out of your house or your apartment and attending events, meeting people, researching companies that excite you. The more you do that, the more you open yourself up to a whole world of possibilities and that also gets you to to find your tribe. It hones in your definition of success and when you have that, you create an action plan which is a structure that you can achieve to win the day. And when you make that a habit and do that consistently, that's how you achieve extraordinary achievement because another really important point is it's not one cataclysmic event that you need to take. Massive action should be used at creating your definition of success. And after that, when it comes down to execution, it's simple and consistent action. That is what separates ordinary people from extraordinary achievers over time. It's like when you're telling the story how one simple step of you taking a coffee meeting, which led to another meeting and then eventually led to you getting the opportunity for writing the book for Thinking Rich Legacy, which led to you applying. I mean, there's so the small steps that led to the, the huge accomplishment. I think for all of us, the things that we do every single day, if you want to move the mountain, you have to start by one stone at a time. The compound effect, right? Definitely. So let's open up right now. We're going to open up to our masterminders here. Question. What's an example of one thing that you learned from one of your interviews that you now apply to your own life? Really good question. So a lot of people might have heard of John Lee Dumas, who created the Entrepreneurs on Fire podcast. So in six years, he's, I think, brought in more than 15 or $16 million in revenue from that. So... An amazing success story and a really important point for him is do your life's work first before you get onto someone else's agenda for your time. So after my interview with JLD, what I did was I bought the five minute journal. And first thing in the morning where most people might spend half an hour looking at social media or uh, reviewing emails, I sit down there with the five minute journal and I write down three things that I'm grateful for, three things that would make today great, and then write down a positive daily affirmation. And then I get to work on the things that are going to inch me closer towards my 100-day goals. And it's only after I do that do I start working on someone else's agenda for my time, which are things like emails or just other things like that that you can do on, on autopilot. Making sure that you use your best time and your most creative time for doing the three most important things for you that day, which is what adds up to you winning the day and inches you closer to your long-term goals. That's good. Uh, when it came to writing your book, what did what was your thought process with 
kind of creating that map. I know you said that you um, you basically interviewed all those people and you had a lot of notes that you took, like half a million uh, words, but what was it that made you able to kind of piece it all together and, and make like a set of like a, kind of like a game plan? There's so much to that whole writing process and a lot of people get really overwhelmed with the idea of writing a book. So I knew that the my very pitch to the Think and Grow Rich, the legacy filmmakers was that you take each principle of Napoleon Hill's achievement philosophy, which is 13 success principles, you do a brief refresh of that in a modern context and then you tell the stories of two people who best personify that principle. So that was the framework that I had from day one. And if anyone in their own lives think about writing a book, the easiest thing that you can do is just write down simple chapter headings. You just write, think about what story do you want to tell, and then just write down 12 or 15 or 20 chapter headings. So I knew once I had those done, I just had a, an introduction to the people in question, just had to facilitate a time to catch up with them. Some of them are very, very busy people and hard to, hard to track down. So what I would do if I didn't hear back, I made sure to follow them up. So I had a fairly robust uh, follow-up schedule to make sure I didn't forget about that. And then once we had the call, I would do all those research notes and really try to be respectful of their time, but really flesh out the most important details because a lot of it needed to be done in chronological order. It was difficult for me at times if I didn't ask the right questions about where it fit into the story. And once I had all that stuff, I just started to slowly map out a bit of a, a bit of a story flowchart about where I about where I think it was supposed to go. And an important part of that for this particular project was where the book Think and Grow Rich came into their lives because it was often handed to them by a mentor. We've got one case of Errol Abramson, who was a 16-year-old valet, I think uh, 50 years ago, pre-driver's license or before all the strict rules around that. And a guy in a Ferrari pulled up and uh, gave him a $1 tip and uh, wrote down, you need an attitude adjustment, think and grow rich and hill. He wrote that on a note. And then he went and took that and uh, bought Think and Grow Rich at a bookstore. And that was the catalyst for him changing his life. So these were the moments that I wanted to capture in the book. And apart from that, I, I think just having the feedback of a few other people along the way was really, really important because sometimes in life it's easy to stay in our bubble and we don't realize how much we're doing it. So having the, the, the contributions and the input of other people is really valuable as well. And I, I was fortunate enough to have the filmmakers on that, but I also have some important people in my own life who can help provide a second opinion because I always say it's very difficult to edit your own work. I can edit someone else's very easy, but your own, once you've just had that uh, deal fatigue, consultants call it when you've been working on the same project for a while. So it was, it was great to have the input of other people to mainly help me get the last 10 to 20% out, which I think is the big difference between a high quality project and, and one that is of lower quality. Um, writing a book, I can imagine it's a, a daunting task. Like when you ever had like writer's block or like you just like one of those days where you just couldn't get past anything, what were some things that you did to get the creative juices flowing or what are some of those things or rituals that you did before you wrote or yeah. <coughs> I, I learned that writing a book for me, the most creative hours for me were between the hours of about 8 a.m. and 12 noon. So that would coincide with my morning coffee, which I'd have at about 7.30. So I wanted to wake up, do a little bit of reading, create that structure or be clear on my agenda and my intent for the day. Then I would have the coffee and do a little bit of reading. 
and then I would go in, I would actually, uh, this might be uh, a bit different to how other people do it, but I actually have some fairly loud music playing while I'm doing this, while I'm in this writing creative stage. And for that four hour block, I have my phone on airplane mode and face down. So no notifications, no distractions. I try to close all the browser uh, windows on the computer. Just sitting there with a Microsoft Word document, some music playing that helps keep me focused. And in those four hours, I can generally get a lot of stuff done. But it also is very, very draining. So after that process, or if you've, if you've been working for a lot of days consecutively, it's easy to wake up and feel fatigue. And when you try and force it, as any writer would know, or any content creator, if you try and force it, you get frustrated very, very easily, and the final product is not very good. There's just no point in, in putting yourself through that. So rather than trying to run harder on the treadmill where you get more and more frustrated, I'll take myself out of that environment. Maybe go for a walk and just feel the fresh air and, and the sunshine. Maybe do a gym session. Go on. I live in Los Angeles now near the beach, so I can go out and have a surf and just try and get out of that, out of that zone so I know that when I can attack it fresh, the next day the words flow a lot easier. And there is a big difference for me when I'm in the zone and when I'm out of the zone. I can get oh, maybe eight or 900 high quality words done in one hour if I'm really in the zone. And if I'm in a bad, a bad headspace, it's maybe 100 or 200 words that are fairly poor quality. But along the way, when I would get frustrated and very hard on myself, I realized that I didn't need to have amazing words down. Sometimes just having words down can be a really good thing because you can always revisit that. It's so much easier to edit work that you have done rather than staring at a blank page. And that was a very important lesson that I learned along the way. So just setting a goal. If you're a new writer, just having a daily goal of maybe 500 words or 300 words words down is a really, really good goal and you can look at editing and, and revising that at a later date. Christina. What do you think it is about this book as to why it's created so many millionaires and what advice would you give to someone? What was kind of your takeaway as to kind of the common denominator of the, what you should believe is, and the takeaway of this book? Think and Grow Rich has sold more than 120 million copies and it's created more millionaires than any other resource in history because quite simply, it's just had results for so many people. It's really had this snowballing effect because of the success it has been able to create for so many people. And a really important part of the original Think and Grow Rich is that success will come to all those who do what needs to be done. So irrespective of whatever adversity or misfortune people have, as long as you can find a way to convert that situation into practical plans to take daily action to achieve that success in your own life, that is how anyone, regardless of what background or what has happened in your life previously, can achieve success. And a big thing for me about Think and Grow Rich was just to really focus on the thoughts that enter your, that enter your mind and what you do with them. So how that manifested for me in my own life was literally looking around my working environment and my living environment. It needed to be something that inspired me. So especially with the process of writing a book, it needed to be, I needed to be a productive person. So that meant making the bed every single day. It meant no pots and pans sitting in the sink overnight, no clutter lying around the apartment because that would just stress me out. I needed to be happy, which meant no time for negative people. People are free to be negative in their own lives as long as they do it away from me because I had bigger fish to fry with the book. I often say that you can't hang around negative people and expect a positive life. So I really needed to live that for that, uh, for that journey. So 
a lot of those things just around structuring your day, literally looking at how you construct your living environment. And then I found that once you did those things, it would be so much easier for you to have positive thoughts enter your life. And once you have those positive thoughts, that's what leads to positive action. And when you structure your whole day with the simple mandate of winning the day, and every day you write down three things that you're grateful for, so you come from a place of gratitude, where you can't have anger and frustration at the same time as you're being grateful for the countless gifts we all have in our own possession. And you write down three things you're going to accomplish that day, which is basically three things that would make today a win. I found that that was so much easier for me to have the right thoughts that translated to actions, which translated to daily output. A lot of people focus on what time do I need to get out of bed to make today a success? And that doesn't matter. You can wake up at 5 a.m. or 9 a.m. What matters at the end of the day is your daily output because you extrapolate that over a week, over a month, over a year, and that is basically how effective and how efficient you are as a human being and how much success will translate to your life. So all those things is basically what uh, a lot of lifestyle changes that I made as a result of, of reading the original Think and Grow Rich and this process as well. And I think another important point is what Bob Proctor says, and that's that you don't have to believe it straight away. It's through the process of repetitive affirmation. So repeating something, a statement of intent out loud twice a day, feeling every associated emotion of already had, having attained your goal. That over time is how you can really start to train your brain to believe these things. And beliefs are so important because it's ultimately our beliefs that determine our actions. And it's our actions each day that really determine our stratosphere and, and our impact on the world. The one thing you said, you, you, we don't always have to believe it right away, but it's at least stating it because eventually we put ourselves in this situation, in the atmosphere to eventually we do become it, you know? Because you state affirmations every day and being around people that do like, hey, you can do this. Because over time, that builds up to more confidence and that confidence is what helps get the end result. And this is the practical application of the law of attraction that was missed out in the movie and the book, The Secret. So The Secret was the 2006 film and book. It was a monster success, but it was criticized by many people about not really having a great foundation of practicality. It spoke about things like, Think about a Ferrari and you will have a Ferrari in your car park. And the law of attraction and Think and Grow Rich really teaches us about the practical work that you need to take. Like what daily actions are you taking? That simple and consistent action which over time is what leads to extraordinary achievement. And not getting impatient because, I mean, the things take time. It's months, years over time. But if you're consistently knowing, hey, if I do this for the next... 12 months, I'm going to get the end goal versus like a week goes by, oh, I don't have the car. Well, I'm done. That's right. You know? I know that you, you and I can get yeah. impatient at a perceived lack of progress in our, in our own lives at times as well. And I think that might also be the curse of the high performer. Anyone who has very big goals and aspirations can feel frustrated at times when they haven't felt that and, or if they haven't experienced that success to that point. And there was a moment for me where I felt like I had focused on doing all the work every single day. And I was starting to feel a little bit frustrated at what I thought was going to be at the... I was focusing on the harvest that I wanted to reap rather than the seeds that I was sowing. And literally that day, about an hour later, I started to get, I think it was four or five text messages from some friends 
who said, did you see what Rob Deerdeck posted on his Instagram story? And I had a look and there were four separate posts about the book that I had written about him saying how amazing it was. Four separate posts out to his four or five million followers. And that again was such a big lesson for me. Each day, focus on the seeds that you sow, not the harvest you reap. It's irrelevant. Like if you're doing the right work day in, day out, of course the good things are going to come back to you. It's uh, always be planting. I can't think of the other person in the movie, uh, Tim Story. He talks about when he speaks, he's like, always be planting. Eventually you're going to harvest. That's right. And it's over time. And you can't harvest. It's like the law of the seasons. You can't harvest unless you plant. So focus on the seeds you sow. Otherwise, you won't have a harvest to reap. Good stuff. So you've done a ton of research on each of these interviewees. What's something during one of your interviews that you heard from someone that surprised you in a positive way and gave you an answer that you weren't expecting? I think a big one is that a lot of these people were not academically brilliant. So they weren't smart enough in a book or academic sense because what happens then is it means that they can't properly evaluate risk. And the people who evaluate risk too stringently are people who are typically a very high academic performance are the ones who then come up with the reason or many reasons as to why they shouldn't take that leap out of their comfort zone or why they shouldn't act. Whereas other people who would never perform anywhere near as well on these high school or university tests, they're the ones who merely act. And it is that process of taking action that they fail and they learn and they keep getting back on the horse and they're proud of their failures and they keep acting and they keep failing. And over time, that is how finally they can find something that that eventually leads to extraordinary achievement. You only need to be right once. You can ask Mark Zuckerberg or Bill Gates or Evan Spiegel or Maybe not Elon Musk because he's, uh, he's got so many businesses. But that was a really important point to me, which I think should give hope to a lot of people, is that you don't need to worry so much about your high school results or your college results, which can be a great springboard as long as you act. Get out of your comfort zone and take action. That is far more important than how well you regurgitate facts on a, on a test. That's one thing I think where I know for successful people, they know that those failures, if they just keep going, and that's what I learned from Napoleon Hill, is if you never quit and you keep going, you're eventually going to succeed, and you just got to be right once. That's right. And after you have a couple successes along the way, you know, like, okay, this is a challenge for me, but if I push through it, and usually the greatest successes are beyond the greatest failures. That's right. And also that knowledge by itself is meaningless. We see such a big emphasis in today's society about the role of education. And education is so important. I'm a huge proponent of education, but it needs to be in line with real world business experience and solving problems. We have such a big emphasis on the regurgitation of facts when if people spent more time learning how to apply what they know rather than just acquiring knowledge. Mm -hmm. And there's a very big difference between acquiring knowledge and applying knowledge. So I think the educational system, without delving into it too much, because I could talk for weeks on this, needs to focus uh, more on applying. Because you don't have to be the smartest person. You just have to know how to bring in the smartest people and then coordinate them towards a common goal because there are geniuses out there that will, they never actually apply it. They know so much stuff, but they don't act on it. And I think they even say that people that are not as smart actually have more success because a person that's really smart and a genius, they they actually, their calculations, they wouldn't do things that somebody like myself would get a 1.68 GPA would do because 
they would think, well, that's not possible, that you can't do that. And what, one out of 50 chance you can make it. But the people that are, I guess, dumb enough to think they can do it, they actually do it. Ones who do. Yeah. And the average, there was a study done a few years back, and the average GPA of American millionaires is, the average college GPA of American millionaires is 2.9. It's not 4. It's 2.9. So that's it. The ones who actually are the most successful, there are so many people who were dyslexic. People like Lewis Howes and Barbara Corcoran, which meant they were terrible students, but they had to find another way that they would be effective, another stepping stone for them. And it manifested for those, both of those people in building an empire on other people's know-how and taking action every day. I think it's almost a, an, an advantage for them to have a disadvantage because if they have the disadvantage, that obstacle to them gives them more drive to overcome it versus somebody that has maybe everything handed to them where it's easier so they just take it for granted but it's somebody that has more obstacles it's more of a like fight to get there yeah, and they, prove something they hungry they're hungry like Gary Vaynerchuk calls it that immigrant hustle if you're sitting here you don't want to waste the chance that you have you're much more likely to take action and really just you have no excuses or no reason to not do that it's it's win it all it's win at all costs that's it it's the whole burn the ships mentality that we've mm -hmm. spoken about at length and of course what is presented very dramatically and very brilliantly in the in the film thinking grow yeah. rich the legacy too any other questions what would you give a new writer maybe like to get started on writing their book like what would be kind of that begin to get a, someone writing a book what would you give them advice I think the first thing is confidence to be able to do it. So we all worry about, is our own story good enough to tell? And we all have amazing stories. We just need to figure out the right way to package those stories. So I think getting clear on who we are and what story we want to tell. The second step would be taking action. So mapping out a chapter outlines. So maybe 15 or 20 chapter outlines of how you can really flesh this thing out. And it doesn't need to be perfect. That doesn't need to be 100% finished. That's just a great uh, diving board for us to really leap into the project. And then I think the third one would be to find an advisory board, which can be a very unofficial thing. So find some smart people who are not clones of you. Get a diverse advisory board of people who actually want to see you and the project succeed, who come from different backgrounds, who can offer different value. And along the way, they can not only hold you accountable, but they can also give you a lot of different ideas and a lot of different steps that you might not have thought of. Other questions? Well, if somebody was watching this and wanted to find out more about the movie or purchase your book, where could they find it? The best place is my website, jameswitt.com. So uh, J-A-M-E-S-W-H-I-T-T.com. There's a free bonus chapter of the book available for, for free download from my website. Uh, and I can also send them a, a copy of my success plan template to help them come up with their own definition of success. Awesome. Leave on this quote, whatever the mind conceives and believes the mind achieves and whatever you think about the most is what you become. Think careful, surround yourself with the right people and go achieve big success. Until next time, y'all, we'll see you later. Hope you enjoyed the show, James. I really enjoyed everything, just learning from him, the whole story of how he wrote that book and what he's learned from people. If you want to see the video version, 
you check out the interview that we recorded on video, just go to livedegrind.com and you can check out the podcast show. We have the video version there for you to check out. If you have not got the book already, you can check out the notes to buy the book, Think and Grow a Legacy. Highly suggest it. It's an amazing book. And I highly suggest if you want to listen or you can get on Audible or read the book, do it alongside Think and Grow Rich, the original book, and then read Think and Grow Rich Legacy and to go one more step up to really get the most out of it. And Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon Hill. Those three books together are amazing. Combine them, you'll learn so much. I, honestly, anything Napoleon Hill, it just blows my mind what this man has learned and, and shared in these books. So I hope you enjoyed everything. I have, well, in Denver right now, obviously, been doing uh, just different interviews with the Denver series, but also been releasing content as I get it. We film all next week. We filmed straight, five days straight in Denver. I'm excited. This episode is all about women empowerment and fitness in Denver. And if you haven't checked out our trailer yet, go to successinyourcity.com. You can check out the trailer there or check out our Facebook page, Success in Your City, and see what we have going on with our show. So much work has been put into this. I'll be giving you more updates soon. I was literally just at NBC, had a great meeting there, and uh, I'm excited to bring this to the mass. We've been working so hard on this. That's all I got for today. I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, y'all, you know what time it is. It is time to go out there, create something great, and become unforgettable because life is too short not to. I'm Brendan C. Adams. Have a great day, everyone.